0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. We are here with the own, the one and only Randall Hansen. He's a psychedelic marketer and advocate for all things healing, nature, food, wellness, love, and theogenic plant medicine. He's also writing a book, and he's just an all-around great person. Randall, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, George. I'm happy to be here and happy to be helping spread the message.
0: Nice. It's a beautiful day, and I, I've been looking quite a bit at the beauty in life. And Mm -hmm. as we get started, I just kind of wanted to throw out a question to kind of get things going here. Sure. When you think I was reading this book about beauty and it says that the problem, one of the problems we have today, it seems like is that we're trying to consume, like it's, we're trying to consume beauty, Mm -hmm. but beauty is not something that can be consumed. It's more like something that can be contemplated. What do you think about that? Wow, that's a
1: beautiful question. Uh, I agree, uh, I'm a photographer too, amateur photographer. And uh, I see that dichotomy when I look at something with my eyes and just admire it, and then I try to capture it with the camera, the camera image is never the same as that beauty you see firsthand. And I think that's part of it. Um, I, I live in a house with a lot of windows and uh, I'm on my laptop way too often. So yeah. I get up and I look out and I take what I, what I call a uh, mindfulness break. I just look out the window and every direction I have, I sit up on a little hilltop uh, above a lake and forest land. And no matter which way I look, it takes me a moment and I just take a breath and breathe in that beauty. So I think there's something to that. It's not. It's just experiencing it. It's not trying to capture it or, or I'm not trying to hide it in my house. I'm just trying to appreciate it and be in that moment. I think that's, to me, what's what beauty does. It stops you. Uh, yeah, probably there are some that are trying to consume it and keep it from the rest of us. But no, nature won't have that. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. There's something so beautiful and contemplative about nature. You talk a lot yeah. about nature. I was reading some of your posts, like where did this fondness of nature come from? Was like young Randall running out in the forest and like playing uh, stuff or like, what, what? What? what is your fondness for nature come from? I think uh, it comes
1: from, I'm the, the youngest of uh, four brothers. And I think the youngest sometimes can be a little invisible. And so, in some ways, that's great for freedom. And I spent a lot of time in nature. Uh, we have a lot of trees even where I was growing up, and I've climbed to the top of the tree, and I'd not only see the beauty of the distance in the horizon, but I also found I could be listening to conversations from people below me that didn't know I was up in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> but I just found a peace in nature. I, I couldn't under, you know I couldn't define that as a child. I just found it. Uh, I didn't know why. Uh, I built a tree fort. Uh, I loved being outside. Uh, I loved when people couldn't find me because I was hiding in the tree. And in high school, I actually thought I was going to be a forest ranger. I really thought I was going to go take forestry in college and work for the Forest Service. And as I look back in my life, I realize I have accomplished that in a way because I'm sitting. On 30 acres of forested land and my wife and I, Jenny, both managed this forest. We are, uh, restoring the health that was logged about 30 years ago. And when forests are logged, they just kind of, you know, take the best trees and leave all the, the bad stuff. And so we're cleaning that up now 30 years later. And it's just a, a labor of love, but that I think it comes from that childhood just, uh, that innate sense that nature is peaceful and restorative and um, calm can bring you in new insights.
0: That's a beautiful story. I'll, I'll go all the way back to the beginning of that story when you said yeah. that you uh, you learned that you could climb trees and listen to people. What yeah. an amazing way to! What an amazing thing to learn from nature is how to listen. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, listen and just be just be involved, just uh, aware of your surroundings. Uh, you know, too often as I'm sitting on my laptop, I'm so ingrained in whatever project I'm working on that, you know, uh, just like the other day, there's this beautiful tree right outside my window here. And we had just this crazy half hour invasion of these birds called crossbills, beautiful colored orange and green, and they just were flying up and down from this tree. And it's like forcing me. Nature's like... Yeah. Get off your laptop. Look at this, and right in yeah. your perceptual, you know, right in your view here, and it was beautiful. It was just uh, so. Yeah, nature does, is a is a is definitely a great teacher.
0: I saw this really great. Um, it's not a statue. It was more of a a work of art, and it's very difficult to explain it as beautiful as it is. But I'll do my best to give you a visual of it. Yeah. Imagine like a, a large platform this way, and in the middle, in the middle of this platform is like a like a one-way mirror almost and it's about 5 feet high and on one side is the statue of a man pushing on the wall with two hands in like a runner's pose and it's made of computer parts and it's of wires coming out and like little monitors wow. and on the other side is the exact same man but he's made of branches and the image is of this uh, this nature pushing against technology Wow. And it was such a beautiful sculpture that mm. it's just stuck with me for so long. And I see it once I saw it. It's, I think that's one of the beautiful things about art is like once you begin to see the image that art is showing you, now you can see that image in other things. It's almost like it's been imbued in you. And now you can see that that artist's artwork living in everything around you. It's such a beautiful gift. And yeah. I, I see it in what you had just said about when you're staring at the computer and you're, you're focused on this project, maybe you have to get it done or maybe you have a deadline, but then there's something so beautiful over here. That's just desperately yeah. trying to grasp your attention. Yeah. It seems like they're fighting for each other. And I'm wondering if you see that in your life or you see that around you or, or have you seen that growing since you were a kid? And now it, it, you think that fight is still relevant today?
1: I, I definitely think so. Uh, I let me give you a little jump off to a little slide tracker yeah. for a second, but, um, you know we're all involved in social media and uh, sometimes i think that's part, part of our problem today too but and i was on a, a journey uh, and one of the outside my deck so out in nature again uh, beautiful setting we can talk more about that later but the one message that came to me during that journey was none of that matters that's not life what you see in social media. And I was spending, I don't know, probably an hour a day on Facebook, you know, just going through posts, you know, sometimes posting my own stuff, sharing stuff. And it's like, wait, that's an hour away. I could be taking a hike. I could be working in the forest. I could be doing something much more meaningful than liking or loving or laughing at a post. And it's just, so uh, So yeah, I, I think, uh, I would, I would love to see people kind of push back a little bit from technology. Technology is a great tool for us, no question. Yeah. What we're doing right now, we wouldn't be able to do it unless I flew to Hawaii. Yeah. So it's a great, it's a great thing. But we have to take breaks from it. We have to, uh, you know, uh, the other thing that that uh, a strong vibe that came to me was nature always wins, and. Uh, I think about this image, uh, pictures of uh, in uh, Chernobyl, where the nuclear meltdown, and now decades later, we see this forest and birds coming back to this place where humans can't even survive still, because the radioactivity is still so high. And so nature, I mean, that's the thing. Nature will always win. You know, no matter how much we fight it. That sculpture is a perfect example. You know, technology is pushing up against it. And it's like, nature's like, no, 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 uh, I'll still be around when that, yeah, when that, when that laptop is now sitting, mm-hmm. sadly, probably in a landfill or wherever else, nature is still going to be there.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to think about. And I've been doing a lot of thinking of, about this idea of nature and nature winning. And I think it's a great way to put it. I'm going to pose this question to you. I, I I've been thinking a lot about spiritual reality, and I'm not even sure really how to define that, but I think about virtual reality. I think mm-hmm. virtual reality as being this almost religious spot for technology, and on yeah. the other side of that is spiritual reality, which might be the height of like an LSD trip or a psychedelic trip or a plant medicine, but it's it's this other reality that is always there – but you can't stay there, but you can go and visit. The same way you could be in virtual reality, you could be in yep. spiritual reality. And I almost think that virtual reality is like the shadow of spir- spiritual reality. Well, can you help me flesh out that idea a little bit? Like, what do you think about that? Wow, that's really an interesting concept. <laughs>
1: I love it, though. Um, well, first, I'll say, let me just say that that, rea- that, that spiritual reality can also come in other modalities. Yes. You know, breathing techniques and, and – deep meditation things like that but i i would say that in almost every person i've talked to that has done some different modality of consciousness mostly through psychedelics with my experience in talking to people uh there is a spiritual component and it's fascinating to see depending on the people Uh, i've had some people that have said i was an atheist no belief in god no faith no nothing and in their experience um they found so much love and they talked they heard again her it's so funny how we describe cycle you know we don't hear that well some people maybe they do i don't but we hear telepathically these words from from god from the spirit from the divine from whatever, and everyone calls it something differently. It's amazing to me. Uh, But there is that sense of when we're in this place that we're all connected. And I think that virtual reality is the opposite because in virtual reality, we can make people in our virtual space. You know, we can build our virtual house and our virtual, virtual forest and all that, but we're alone in that unless we bring in people and do a group virtual. But in, 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 a, in a psychedelic or an altered consciousness experience, we not only are we connecting with some greater spirit, oftentimes people are connected with a dead relative, and they have, like, you know, this woman I, I, I spoke with for the book was talking about how she had this half hour conversation with her, um, her grandmother who had passed you know, a like, uh, decade or two before, but had raised her as a child. And so she had this beautiful moment. And again, so I, it's this connectedness of, of uh, energy, of, of a greater power, whatever whatever we want to call that. Uh, I had a, had a minister, a fiscal minister who uh, did a journey and he actually spoke in tongues during his, during his journey. Uh, and he thought going in, he thought he was as close to God and spirituality as he could be. So there's that difference. Someone who's an atheist says, "I don't believe in God," and then has this experience. Someone who's a minister, a priest, and says, "You know, I'm, you know, I have this beautiful relationship with God," and goes on this journey and says, "Oh my God, no, I, I had this, I had a, I had a connection this big, and now it's, you know, it's gigantic." So yeah, I, I think I, I never really thought about the virtual versus the spiritual, but. That, that's a, I love that, George. That's a great, keep going on that. It's a great, a great uh, question.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much. I just, you know, it, it brings up the idea for me. And I, I kind of got, I was reading a little bit about, I want to get into some of your, some of the posts you had talked about about the heroic hearts project and, yeah. you know, life and educating and empowering people and how you got there. And as I was yeah. reading this stuff the other couple of days ago, it just got me thinking, So much healing is done in the presence, the felt presence of the other, or so much healing is done when we have this connection to the planet or this this altered state of consciousness. And, you know, you could call it religious or you could call it spiritual. It doesn't bother me what anybody calls it or what their connection is. But there is this, there is something there. And it seems like that's where the healing is. And for so long, at least for me growing up, There was this spiritual void. Like I've always felt connected, but this, the draw to psychedelics to me was the beginning of healing for me. It was the beginning of being pulled back into the world of wholeness. And when I think of wholeness, I think of holy. And it's so interesting to me how I've been talking to so many people. I've been so fortunate to hear their stories about maybe they've had PTSD or anyone can go online on LinkedIn or they could go on the internet or they can look at the research coming out with psychedelics and people that are being healed. And I know that you have a passion for helping and inspiring and healing people. And I'm curious if you think that, like, what is it about being next to the spiritual source that heals us?
1: I I think for many, it's not only that, that hope or sense of a greater power and that we're not alone and that we don't have to rely just on our own merits for everything because it's exhausting. You know, if we have to do everything ourselves, it's exhausting. And I think uh, that healing is is we don't even realize, I think, at times uh, how much we push down my you know, my background and my partner Jenny's background were both Scandinavian heritage and I don't know what it is about Scandinavians but man they push stuff down it's not talked about it's pushed down shoved under the rug and we don't move that rug ever you know uh, and so uh, one of the things again I love about Dr. Matte and what he talked about uh, uh, Dr. Gabriel Matei is a book out called A Myth of Normal and he talks about that we've all suffered trauma whether we know it or not because some is capital t trauma abuse war things like that That's obvious we know you know we were traumatized but then there's the small t where the small t is things like where where love was just withheld for some reason or something happened that was sort of an accidental thing but you're you were expecting something different so his example is in uh the Nazis were, uh, were uh, taking over. He was a baby when the Nazis uh, were in power and his mom was afraid that the Nazis were about to kill their family. So she gave the little baby Gabor up to a, a, a stranger in the street. And he didn't see his mom for about three weeks and then he were finally reconnected and life went on, blah, blah, blah. And then he had this psychedelic, uh, he had the sacred ceremony with uh, natives in uh, Canada and he relived that moment of that trauma when he was his baby and he was able to see how that one moment in time impacted decades of his life and how he treated other people and how he didn't trust because as an infant he lost that trust because his mother, this, you know his dominant caregiver, gave him up save him because he didn't know she she was trying to save him so i think this healing uh and that's the other thing with uh with veterans too it's fascinating to me they go on these retreats thinking they're going to heal the ptsd uh the trial or or the moral trauma they've they've, uh, experienced in war and what comes up that first night is a an abuse that happened or a trauma that happened in their childhood that they didn't even know about. So the first night, you know, they're all expecting like, Oh, thank God I'll be done on my war memories. And the first night's like, Oh no, no, no. We have to heal other parts of you before we can get to healing that part of you. And so I think these all, you know, these altered consciousness and psychedelics to me are the, I don't know. I don't want to say the easiest way, but maybe the, straight most straightforward way rather than having to learn a breathing technique or Mm -hmm. meditation for me is a ongoing learning practice and i haven't mastered it yet so psychedelics is the fastest way for me to get into that altered consciousness to deal with whatever i have to deal with And, and typically it's those traumas that we didn't even realize we had or we had a vague feeling or maybe there was like a A mental block, like boy, I don't remember anything that happened to me when I was eight or nine years old. Uh Aha! Well, that's because your brain just blocked that from you, so you don't have to, you know, have these triggers. Like Matt was talking about, on uh, Matt Demon was talking about on, on a previous episode of yours. You know, we there's something there, but we just don't know what until the psychedelics kind of show us.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's it's so fascinating that there is something. That you can take if you pre- if you prepare and do everything the right way, there's something yeah. that you yeah. can take that will help you see the world in a way that will relieve anxiety, that will relieve depression, that will help that will show you the path. And it, it reminds me of like Dorothy's Ruby Red Slippers. Like you have the power all along. Yep. You know, and I I it just it blows my mind. And in some ways, I think that that you know, maybe. Maybe that's what's happening right now. Like it seems so chaotic right now. There's so many things going on. There's so much information pulling you this way and pulling you that way, and we're flooded with all this negativity. But yep. maybe this is what change looks like. Maybe this is what a new consciousness being born looks like. Maybe this is this healing that must go on so yep. that we can move forward in it. I know when I read I, some of the stuff you post. Oh, I'm go ahead. No, I just say, uh, man, please. I hope so. Make that make that uh, reality.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, we, we live in so much fear and hate yes. and division, and um, you know, I, I I just feel like you know I start my book with you know we are just in crisis right now, and some of us realize it, some of us don't. Which I don't know, but I don't know which side I'd rather be on. I mean, maybe <laughs> the maybe the the blatantly not knowing is better than knowing and seeing it, uh, and but psychedelics or this altered consciousness just have a way of clearing all of that and seeing that all that fear and all that stuff is just so much wasted negative energy that's dragging us down, not just individually, but even as an entire world as a culture. Uh, so yeah, I I, I agree. We, we're, we you know, we're on a precipice and, I, and I'm hoping that this, you know, to use maybe Hawaiian, uh, uh, this wave is about this beautiful wave is about to crash and and just explode and push that that fear and that hate and and away in this great wave. So I'm I'm hopeful.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like the sound of that. Yeah. So let we've we've touched on it a little bit, but you got a book coming out. I don't want to yeah. give any spoilers or anything, but can you tell us about the book and what it's about?
1: Yeah, well, let me let, let me start.
0: Uh, let's just dive down that rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Um,
1: so in my uh, in my research, I've, I've only really been taking a deep dive into psychedelics for the past uh, three years. But in the early phases, I heard people talk about, oh, yeah, I did ayahuasca, and I got this digital download in my entire website and how to do my app. And the target market and all this came to me. And I was like, no, no, that, that, that just sounds a little too crazy. And then in uh, some of my early psychedelic experiences, I didn't have those. I had great experiences and, and, and monumental shifts and perspective. But I didn't have that until I did an LSD journey a couple months ago. And toward the end of it, i literally it's so hard to describe it i literally got this digital download of the outline for this book i had no plans to write a book I'm, book writing is sort of archaic and in, in this day and age in a sense uh, we get all our information just by going to a search engine and typing whatever we want to find but it was just this compelling message that And it it wasn't like you're it wasn't you're going to write the book. It's you're going to move this book forward. And so, yes, I do have a couple of preliminary chapters that I wrote. But the bulk of the book are stories. And that's what this message was is, is. And if we look back at our culture from the beginning of time, really, the way we have shared information in our culture is through storytelling. And so I thought, wow, that's brilliant, it's a great idea. So let's just have, um, so I ended up with about 23 stories from people that have done either macrodose journeys or microdosing and microdosing is kind of the really current hot topic in in psychedelics, but, and we can talk about that too, but, and so so this digital download came to me and then I've been working the last couple of months doing it and the stories, you know, I wasn't sure about the, the the process in the beginning, but the stories are just phenomenal, uh, whether it's a soldier healing from that trauma and multiple traumas, not just war, but his own trauma growing up, or whether it's just this Episcopal minister finding a deeper connection to God. Uh, these stories are all uh extremely powerful, uh, getting off of uh, antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications that they felt weren't even helping them anyway, and then seemingly healed, no longer needing any more psychedelics, no longer needing any anti-anxiety or antidepressants, and with a new outlook on life. it's, it's so uh, I'm looking forward it, It's I'm just... All the story, I just got the last story yesterday. So I'm in the editing phase now, and uh, it'll hopefully be released in early 2023.
0: It's amazing the, the art of writing a book. It seems that it used to be this thing that. I, I, it's interesting to go from reading books to writing books. And when you said it's an archaic form, like I think it's – it's that's a good way to describe it, but I would add a little twist to it in that it's a sure. – it's an archaic way or – um let me see. It's a – it's an archaic revival of thinking because it's a way for you to – it's almost like your body – Your brain is giving your body permission to fully acknowledge the information. When you write it down, something happens, right? Like when you get it from here, when you translate the vision into reality, it's such an amazing thing to do because the spoken word is so beautiful and the written word is amazing in its own way. But when you have them both together, it's almost like they reinforce each other on like a feedback loop because once you've written it down, you now you can consume it and then you can put it back. You can... You can change, you can put a blue in there, you can put a little bit of a yellow, you can put some music to it. And there's yeah. there's just something beautiful that happens when you do it. I, I can't wait for your book to come out because I can tell how passionate you are about helping people. I can tell yeah. how passionate you are about seeing beauty in the world. And to me, there's something beautiful about someone who can translate that vision into reality. And so I, I love the idea. And, and let's talk about storytelling too. That might be the oldest mm-hmm. form. Of yeah. translating, you know, visions into reality. Yeah, and so and so when you have someone that has had an experience or a life thereof experiences, and now is in a position to become a storyteller, that's got to be exciting. How do you feel about becoming a storyteller?
1: <laughs> well, again, you know, it's funny in this book, I don't share any of my story, although uh, you know I'm sort of the uh, the orchestrator or the or whatever of the other stories. But I I I think it's beautiful because I think, you know, you read these people's accounts, and the other kind of neat thing. Let me just backtrack for a second. That what I didn't even think about this, so it's not my brilliant comment. It's somebody else's. But I don't know. About halfway through this process, I was talking to someone. We were talking about her story, and 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 we were doing some feedback after the story, and she said, "Wow, thank you," and and of course i don't know thank you and she said no no because i want to thank you because this helped me further integrate my experience by telling the story and i thought wow that is genius and that was that's not my genius at all again so that's what i mean by this greater you know this greater power giving us sometimes information that we we didn't have and so i thought about that because one of the things we talk about with psychedelics is the importance of integrating mm-hmm. and it's not some, you know, you, you just don't take a psychedelic and like, Oh wow, I'm changed. And I can go on with life. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's not that way at all. And because you've, yes, you've changed from psychedelics for sure. To go back in the world is still the same as someone said shit show. And <laughs> you have to figure out how, this new vision of yourself and of nature and of the world and of the divine or the universe or whatever you call it how does that fit into this world where oh no people are still shouting at each other in the parking lot at Walmart or flicking you know giving you the finger in the in the on the street or whatever it might be and so integration becomes this, this big tool. So storytelling is a way of integrating of so these people were reliving their journeys and, and then sometimes having new realizations from just talking about. the so storytelling not only is this, this beautiful cultural thing from from day one of all civilizations. It, it, you know how how do you share our truth, or our, our moral compass, our, the way we do things the the, the lessons I've learned that I want to pass down to future generations is through storytelling. Yes, I could give them a list. Oh, here are the 10 things you need to do. No one can, no one remembers 10 a list. I mean, it's a fun thing to do. It's a great, great thing for articles or
0: podcasts.
1: Here are the 10 things to do, But but to really remember you need to have storytelling because these little bits of emotional aspect in these stories are the things that we, keep in our, in our hearts and our brains. And then that's the thing that triggers that memory of that story. Oh yeah, I remember when the lesson in that story, is you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now I got it. And so, yeah, I think storytelling, and that's why I ended up doing, that's why at first I was like, you know, I don't want to do this book because there, there are a lot of books in psychedelics already. But most of the books have, it's interesting, they all have slightly different approaches. You know, uh, I know. Uh, you, I think you had uh, Rick Straussman on a, a while back at some point, and, and he has several books out. And of course, he comes at it from the medical standpoint. He's a scientist. He's a researcher. Um, uh, Matt Zeman, you had on with his book "Psychedelics for Everyone," which I think is a perfect companion for this book because he talks about. He, you know, he he did a little bit. He has a science part of it but he also has his stories in it and i think that's what that's a nice combination where you bring in the science but then people don't you know sometimes the science gets so lost you know placebo effect what does that mean and how does that affect the results but ah but here's matt's story and here's what he learned in this process and so my book you know i said well the last time anyone did stories was something like in 2010 there's a book of I think it was just LSD stories. And so I said, okay, well, this is good. So this is now an updated sort of version. It's on all the major psychedelics. So uh, we cover uh, psilocybin and uh, ibogaine and ayahuasca, ketamine, uh, MDMA, and LSD. And then I also uh, tried to look at different traumas capital T, lower T to get this mix. And then I try to do as many uh, genders and ethnicities as possible because storytelling is different, even by gender, even by different cultures. And um, so I think, I think it's a nice
0: mix of that people can relate to with these stories. Yeah. In my mind, Randall, I could see in my mind, I can see like an amphitheater. And one person going up and telling the story from your books, like that would be a great like you could go there, and it's almost like a ritual. And sometimes I think that maybe that's what a new Eleusinian Mysteries could be like—is something like a storyteller, something like your book that where people come up that had a trauma and they come up in front of a large group of people. And you know, on one hand, I'm like, okay, that's just alcohol and anonymous George. People, not everybody yeah, wants yeah. to see that. But on the other hand, it's like it can be. A rhapsody a tragedy a mystery yep. it can be all those things wrap into one and that, that's yeah. what a good story is right
1: yeah yeah and uh, you know there are some of these stories you know i i have to say <laughs> warning about psychedelics at least from my experiences is, is you become more in tune with your emotions and and the emotions are much more closer to the surface and uh uh, you know, I'll read. I'll try. You know, I'll try to read one of these stories, and I can't get through it. I'll I'll start choking up, and yeah. uh, because the change is so palpable, so strong, and you just feel such elation that these people have found themselves, or found something they were missing, or you know, whether it's healing or that spiritual component. Uh, or just found their place in the universe. You know, so many people are just lost. Don't know personally, professionally, what they, who they are, what they should be doing. Uh, and so, I think these stories have that power to say, "Oh, wow! I relate to that piece." I don't, maybe I don't relate to all the trauma or all the things, but I relate to that. And wow, if that person can find something, and whatever that is, healing or, or spirituality, then and so maybe I can do it, too. And so I think, yeah, there is that power. And I love that idea uh, of that. You know, it makes you think of, you know, Shakespeare in the round. Yeah. But instead of Shakespeare, it's storytelling. And well, Shakespeare in a play is storytelling in that sense. So but I, yeah, I love that. I love that idea. Uh, integration circles are a little bit like that. But that's what people who are all sharing their stories of, of psychedelics or consciousness. It would be better to do that type of storytelling yeah, do it in a mall or something crazy like that and say, you know, hey, gather around, we're gonna hear the story of healing. and uh, That's that's the one thing that, you know, my big challenge with this book and even with this whole journey I'm on is how do I get that information out to the general public? Uh, There was a, a great research study published about a month ago, that showed the the potential benefit of psilocybin for alcohol disorder, alcohol use disorder. Very small study, but the results showed great possibility, way better than the placebo effect for psilocybin and uh, helping people end that dependency on alcohol. And Forbes on LinkedIn published the story and so i went in there and i did my nice little comment like wow this is so wonderful and beautiful and uh you know looking back at how alcoholics Anonymous even started uh you know this is you know psychedelics are a way to to break that and then i went back and i started looking at the comments from people outside the psychedelic realm and it was oh great we're trading one drug for another good job people or uh you know, uh, oh, the druggy culture is back, and, and it's so sad to me because, and you know, we're fighting fifty plus years of disinformation about these medicines uh, from you know the good old President Nixon deciding that uh, the anti-war movement and the hippie culture was was a little too powerful for him. Uh, the black culture was a little too powerful for him, so it's let's kill cannabis let's kill psychedelics and and spread this misinformation about you know do psychedelics and you'll never come back and you know the, the, your brain on drugs with the frying pan and all that yeah. crazy stuff <laughs> and and I I, I I hurt sometimes because I think of all these deaths we've had over the last 50 years and, and suicides are are especially but that could have been healed through psychedelics but because of politics, uh, we, we said, oh no, these are, you know, these are all, most of these are all Schedule 1 for ketamine and Schedule One drugs say there's no medicinal benefit whatsoever. And we had studies back in the 60s proving they were <laughs> medicinal benefits. You know, they were people doing the out, uh, stopping people breaking that alcohol and addiction dependency in the 60s. And all that research just got buried and now we're seeing that finally again with MAPS, uh, one of the leading uh, organizations doing the research in psychedelics with MDMA, especially, but also with uh, psilocybin, and we're seeing these great inroads with with PTSD, with depression, with anxiety, with addiction, with OCD, and it's like, wow, we lost, you know, 50 years we could have been saving so many lives. But anyway. The hope is now we are on this great wave and we're not going to have another political pushback and in fact we're just seeing some things you know i just saw yesterday in congress we're finally moving forward with um, setting up committees and looking at possible legislation for uh, moving psychedelic therapy especially for veterans uh to to make it fda approved which would be Astonishing, wonderful, amazing, and about time.
0: Yeah. Man, that's sometimes I think that like when you look back at the history of of the research that was done or the people that have done psychedelics or the way in which it was closed off to everyone, I kind of look, I liken it to like a, a large mushroom trip. And like anybody who's done mushrooms or psilocybin or any of the analogs, they realize that it kind of comes in waves. And like, you know, for a minute you get this yep. euphoric feeling and you start understanding things. And then you're like, okay, am I done? Is that, wow, that was crazy. I guess I'm, 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 I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. you know, and then you got this moment, moment where you come back and then all of a sudden another wave comes. And it, yeah. each time it's like the rising tide, like it comes up, it goes back and then it comes up a little further. And then it comes back and then it goes up a little further. And I think that that's where we are with psychedelics. I think the sixties may have been the first wave. And it washed up over us, <clears throat> and it left this residue, and we we're like, "Whoa, we got all wet! That was awesome! What was that? Oh, it's gone!" <laughs> but here it comes again, and now, now a bigger wave, like the same, the same analogy that you wow. used of another wave coming through. And I see, i I've, it seems to me that not only is it the medicine, the plant medicine that helps you as an individual learn and get better, but it's almost like. Once you've taken it, you've become the mycelium and now you're growing with it. And you as an individual become the medicine or the catalyst to go help other people. And when I see you writing the book, when I see you collecting the stories, when I see you telling me stories about George, I read this and it's hard to get through it because it's so beautiful. Like that is the medicine. It's like almost like the medicine gives you the realization that you are the catalyst to go and help other people. And I'm yeah. not saying it can't affect other people in any ways or there, there could be another <clears throat> Jonestown or there could be another sure. CIA study where they're testing it on people that they don't know they're doing. Yeah. But for the most part, it's going out and it's changing people one by one so that they can go and become catalysts to help other people. And it's such a beautiful movement. And I know it's not a panacea and I don't want to pretend like it is, but it is doing something and changing the world for the better. And I, I can see it happening, and I can see it with people's stories. I
1: I, I 100% agree, George. There is what we call the shadow side of of ourselves, and psychedelics sometimes can enhance that. Uh, So we have to be a little wary of that. But if we go in, again, you you mentioned this earlier about preparation, and we haven't already talked about that. But yeah, if you go in prepared, and if you have kind of a big ego, then the shadow side is going to probably come up. Um, and I had this story from this beautiful guy in his 20s this young guy who, who you would think would be so macho ego focused you know your're 20 your testosterone is raging you know and he was this beautiful soul and he said i I saw I had the, he, he did a, a mescla through uh, San Pedro or wachuma and uh, he said he just had this it was, it, you know some people would call it challenging or bad but yeah. he didn't he said it was beautiful this journey where he saw his shadow self and it shadow just meaning the ego or the negative side and he saw how it made him mistreat his uh, girlfriend the mm. friends around him and the medicine basically said, you know, is this who you want to be? And he was, wow, I didn't realize I was that kind of a jerk. And it, it transformed him in a way that he saw that. And, and he is truly this beautiful person that just wants to help people, as you, as you just said. Now, flip that to a healer I met who took the medicine and the medicine told him, you're the greatest healer there ever is. And he said, oh yes, I am the greatest healer there ever is. And he came out of that experience, the shadow self totally, uh, he gave this, it was supposed to be a and A and he gave this like one hour lecture about how he knows everything about ayahuasca and ayahuasca flows through him like his blood and and oh my gosh i was like wow you know he needs a different psychedelic to knock him down a few notches or a lot of notches but for the most part i would say yeah 90 percent of the time or i have no idea the statistic but i would say the vast majority of time the psychedelics just helps you see the connectedness uh the best example of that i can give from a personal experience and i've actually never shared the story but uh see it's already anyway that's why i don't share stories (laughs) get too emotional but it was um during an ayahuasca uh journey and it's uh, done in a Ceremonial space, and I walked out of the ceremonial space to get some fresh air, go to the bathroom, and I looked up to the sky, and it was completely almost white from all the souls that were just shining so brightly in this, again, this this moment where I almost Fell to my knees because it was just such pure joy of this. These souls just watching out for all of us, you know, that we are again not alone. And even when people, you know, there's always this uh, I don't know about other religions, but often in Christianity, we talk about heaven and no one really knows what heaven is. But in that sense, in my mind, in the psychedelic moment, DMT. It was just this, you know, and, and I've been in Montana and I've been in places, Wyoming, where dark skies, but this was nothing like that. And it was just so profound. And it was this sense, it was also this, and I don't know how you could have a big ego then, because that was pretty, you know, that was like, uh, you know, if you think you're kind of big in the world, uh, look up and see that, uh, no, there are billions of of other people and you're just one little speck in this great universe. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, a big a universal message that a lot of people get, whether it's being shot up in a rocket ship, as some people talk about, uh, talking to aliens, but it's the sense that, yeah, we, you know, we, we are not alone. Uh, so that's a good feeling, but we're also not alone. So we can't be selfish about it either. We have to, we have to help people. And, and I, I think the vast majority of people in psychedelics are all like, Yeah, how can I help you? What do you need? What information can I give you? How can I sit and listen to you today? How can I hear you? And and that's the beauty of of this movement, this experience.
0: Rand, that's that's beautiful. I I wish everybody I've had this experience, a similar experience in that. I know what it's like to fall to my knees, feeling so thankful and be surrounded by beautiful. Like that's mm-hmm. like, that is worth more than to have that feeling even for a moment, you know, yep. maybe, maybe you're lucky enough to have it for an hour or 30 minutes, or maybe it's a fleeting glance, but to have a moment where you just like are overwhelmed with beauty, where you're like, Oh my God, yep. I'm so loved. Yep. that. Regardless of your problem, if you can just have that for a moment, if you can receive that love, like it, cha- it washes over you, it cleanses you, and it's yeah, yeah. Know, it, it brings you back to this idea. Please, what do you got? Yeah, no, I, I was gonna say, I, and and
1: again, in the vast majority of psychedelic stories, love is the most beautiful four-letter word ever expressed, and almost everyone comes out of that with a sense of love, with a sense of I am loved, with a sense of, oh, now I understand why my parents couldn't quite give me the love I wanted, because I see they weren't loved in their childhood. And so it's just I mean it's it's this love, it's this beauty, but it's also this this deeper understanding that you know wow, all this crap I've been holding about yeah, I was the youngest child and I, I was ignored or I, you know, hey, you know, my oldest brother got the new bike and I got the hand-me-down. Well, that's all this, you know, BS of life. That's nothing compared to the beauty, the love, uh, loving a friend. It doesn't have to be a, a romantic love, it's just love of people, love of your fellow person of, 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 of this,
0: this beautiful earth. You know, it brings me to another point, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. It yeah. seems like in the psychedelic experience, we get to a point where language fails, whether it's, yeah. you know, a uh, few, regardless of what psychedelic you're taking, it seems to me that this point can be, whether it's a disassociative or it's a hallucinogen, whatever your, whatever your medicine is, it seems to me, at least for me, I've I've found myself at a point where I can't talk or I can't describe mm, I can't thoroughly describe what it is. I can say it's beautiful, it's love, but it's, it's, it's fast. I I can use words to explain it, but I can't really describe it. What do you think this lack of language is? Is is it, can it be the point at which we're able to find new concepts and that's why we don't have words for it? Or what do you think this, this inability to explain what's happening is? What do you think this lack of language is that when language fails, what is that?
1: That is such a fantastic question, because that's one of the, you know, if we talk about these hallmarks of a psychedelic experience, one is the inability to really describe it, which is sort of funny, because it was almost like LSD was giving me this joke, like, okay, you're going to collect stories, but no one can really express the experience this way. Uh, You know, I I love chatting with some of these people and they were like, well, God spoke to me. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't hear God. I didn't even see God, but God spoke to me. And I'm like, wow, yeah, we almost need a new language for this because these experiences are undescribed. I mean, we can describe like he just said oh i saw god or god spoke to me but but we can't really because he didn't literally speak to us we heard it again telepathically or whatever it might be and it's just so fascinating to me uh and a little aside only on psilocybin for me on the in the actual journey i can't speak like i during this one journey Uh, my wife and I were on a journey on the outside deck and it was a beautiful journey. And this, uh, we had a a playlist we haven't talked about music. I'd love to talk about music here in a minute when we have time, but, uh, we had this beautiful playlist on that uh, all psychedelics I love on psychedelics This one song was this deep, deep down in a canyon and it was dark and i was alone and struggling and i was internally screaming like get me out of this thing this is you know what's going on and after the journey i was talking to uh, jenny and i were integrating and i said god that one song i it seemed like it lasted like two hours and she said babe i'm sitting right next to you why did not you just tell me Fast forward, go to the next song, and I said I couldn't. I couldn't speak. I, I was shouting it to myself, but I could not verbalize. And I don't know whether that was a medicine saying, "No, you need to be in the spot and deal with it," or whether it was just something that psilocybin does to me I, on LSD. I can speak, I can talk, I can walk around. But with psilocybin, the journey goes so deep for me that. I am just gone, but yeah, I, 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 so that what makes these stories in the book interesting is that people do their best to, to try to explain what happened to them, and that's why we end up with words like beauty and love and nature and connectedness and whole and healing because we can't really describe what we experience because it's just it truly is indescribable in
0: my mind yeah it 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 really makes me think of language and as i've gone on my psychedelic journey i've begun to think that the only way to get close to trying to explain the experience is some form of poetry where Mm. you know you've We've all read poems that have spoken to our souls, and your face gets flush, and your skin gets goosebumps, and it it calls out to you. It's this, this idea of the spoken word with alliteration and all these devices. It, it, it's almost as if the written word – I think it was – gosh, I, as soon as I want to quote the person, I forget who it was. But it, mm-hmm. it was once said that the written word is the carcass of the spoken word. So when you're sitting in the felt presence of the other and you can we've all sat next to our lover and looked in their eyes and spoken words that we feel deep or we've been lucky enough to recite a poem. And in that moment is when you can thoroughly understand what the person is trying to convey. Yeah. Yeah. We had a person that, that I want to put this comment up because I think it's really beautiful and I want to get your opinion on it here. Okay. So here we go. Could it be that the lack of ability to describe the experience is rooted in the underlying philosophy, ideology of the individual? What do you think? That's pretty deep. Ooh.
1: Wow. I don't know. Because, I mean, that's a that's a, a, a question I really have to dissect there. Uh, I think I, I love back to what you said before this question. I, uh some people, as part of the psychedelic experience afterward, do write poetry as or prose as their method of integrating. Some paint, some scu- some do sculpture, and so there's. I think I think the key is there's mul. There are multiple ways to express that experience, and I think maybe some people do it non-verbally or non-through written yeah. or whatever way because <clears throat> they can't express it that way. They there are no words they try to do it through a painting or if a poem or they don't have to it doesn't have to be logical like a book or or something like that can just be like you said beautiful words that are kind of spewed out there that that they're just coming from this experience uh but i don't know i i don't i don't know the science behind that exactly why that is uh i i do know that everybody has a way of at least expressing some aspects of that. And I think maybe some of that's also more emotional uh, than thinking. So they can talk more about their feelings and about, you know, the stories where they're talking about, you know, uh, reconnecting with their mother or uh, some people relive their birth was, was crazy to me. And yeah. I can't even fathom that, but, um, or, uh or healing it's all emotional but when you get to the thinking part of how your brain changes and these new connections it's much harder because those connections maybe are new you know this neuroplasticity that we're just kind of discovering and i love this image of the brain every you know the the one image of the brain not on some altered consciousness and you see you know like eight or ten little pathways connecting and then in, on psychedelics or in some altered consciousness, you see like 50 pathways all connecting. And yeah. to me, that's maybe that's why we can't express it as well because we don't actually have that ability yet. Maybe the further we integrate and further those connections keep happening, then maybe later, the better the ability we're able to express what, what that uh, experience was.
0: Man, that's beautiful, man. I, I, I want to touch on that. Like, I, I don't really believe in coincidences. I think that a coincidence is what you get when you apply a bad theory. And it's mm-hmm. so interesting to me how often and how much this idea of neuroplasticity is just coming into my life. And I, you know, I, I, t- I spoke with a, a young lady named Abigail Calder, and she's studying the effects of neural LSD and neuroplasticity, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's so interesting to me. And it's almost as if my idea, my mm-hmm. vision, everything I know about the world is changing. Like, and I, I see it happening in real time. As I'm talking to you, my idea of the world is changing. My reality is changing. And that's neuroplasticity happening in real time. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's so fascinating, and it makes me so excited. And I hope people listening to this are getting to feel a little bit of what we're feeling and understanding that, the experience you have every day is a psychedelic experience, if you're willing to really see, if you're willing yeah. to really be open to what's happening to you, how can you not get goosebumps? How can you not be excited? How can you not be in a moment of love where you like, just look around you, look at the people, look at everything that's happening. Like there's such a amazing time to be alive. And I hope people are getting to understand that and see that. And I, I just, it makes me, it makes me so thankful to, to get into that. And I,
1: yeah. I. Well, it, it,
0: please. Good. Good. No fish. Yeah, I was that. Uh, that's it. I was done. I was, I didn't have anything else to say because it's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I love it. You know. I, I. And that's why I love this podcast that you're doing. I love the other podcasts and the book, all the books, not just mine, but all of them that are out there. Uh, that people are, are seeing. There's. There. You know. From whatever happened capital trauma, T trauma, little trauma, something. We sort of had put these blinders on and psychedelics has the ability, not always, but has the ability to remove those blinders and expose this new reality, as you're saying, and that can become your reality through psychedelics. Yeah. And, you know, yes, I, I you know, the, the one funny thing I've always, as you've, picked up very early on. I've always loved nature. So when I'm doing a psychedelic journey and I'm looking at my trees and my forest, it just looks as beautiful as it does right now as I'm looking out the window. Because, And at first I was really disconcerted by that. I'm like, wait, the trees should be waving to me and smiling at me and winking at me and saying, good job, you're taking care of us. <laughs> I mean, because every time, you know, some people kind of say that and they're like, you know, oh, the trees talk to me. Uh, and for me, they just kind of, you know, the branches blew in, the, in the, the breeze and it was very pretty. And then I rose, I think because that nature, that appreciation of nature was already within me. So I it wasn't a new experience for me because I've always had this wonder, you know, climbing that, that mountain and then seeing that view and just saying, oh, wow. And so I think that's why you know, I didn't have that with nature now. I've had other crazy things like I, I have wood floor in my house with big knots in them and on a psychedelic experience, the knots are, are like drums to the music and they're beating the floor is moving. So I can't, I can't look at the floor <laughs> because all of a sudden I start getting dizzy. But I think, yeah, I think uh, that, you know, if we, if we can get this message across, um, you know, the the amazing thing is for some people one psychedelic experience and that's it and they're changed for life and that's beautiful and i think that's kind of a a neat message we should have yes there are psychonauts and uh and people that need deeper healing that uh do multiple journeys uh have multiple traumas Uh, they're also now doing some crazy i uh one of my uh, stories the the so it was a uh, a marine. He had so much trauma, both individually and in the in fighting, that uh, he and then he got addicted when he came back. You know, tip, somewhat typical self medicating. He did a combination of ibogaine, which to me is the strongest, gnarliest psychedelic there is, and I have no no real interest in ever trying that one. Although I've heard also beauty. So all these psychedelics have beauty, but there, some have are more challenging than others. But he did Ibogaine and then with a 5 MEO DMT chaser. Oh my gosh, the power of that medicine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. But that's that's the other, that's like maybe the third wave that sort of happened, smaller wave that's happening now. is like, well what if we okay we know generally that psilocybin does this but what if we combine psilocybin with mdma now what does that do and so all of a sudden now i have a couple stories where people have done multiple uh, one did mdma with ketamine and had this absolutely most beautiful crazy experience that transformed his life forever and so that's the other kind of cool things now we're on you know so so i know i'm way off to your point now but not at all um all these things the end result is yeah beauty and if we can translate that into our daily lives then we could have somewhat of a altered or maybe true consciousness is maybe a better word every day if we don't let ourselves fall back into that rut. And I know it's very difficult. I'm, I'm that way. Working on this book, you know, pre-book, I was like, yeah, I'm going to just take 10 minutes and have a little moment of meditation. And now it's like, oh, the designer needs my input on the cover design. And, oh, I need mm. to do this. And it's like, no, 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 wait, come back, come back, take a breath. You your still need to do that integrating. And, and and so it, the real world does pull us back sometimes from that. And we have to fight that because that's just, you know, our careers or the way we make money is just one tiny, tiny part of our lives. And yet for so many, uh, you know, I taught business students from, well, I'm still teaching business students uh, as a college professor, but I always ask my students, what's your definition of success? And business students, nine times out of 10 say money. I want to make my first million by the time I'm 24. I want to find, uh, found my first company and sell it for 5 billion by the time I'm 30. And I look at them, I say, you know, and so then we have this discussion. Well, isn't that more of an outcome than a, a success? Because if you're, you know, if you're, if you don't achieve that goal, then you're going to label yourself as unsuccessful. You know, if you only sold it, if you want to sell it for $3 billion, but you only sold it for $2 billion, are you a failure because you didn't reach that goal? So it's sometimes also redefining, you know, we are as a culture have been so defined uh, in the West, at least, you know, grow up, get your education, whether it's high school, get a job or go on to trade school or four-year school, maybe get a master's. Get a job, get you know, start a family—all these things that are these indicators that were taught from early on. But success should be: Am I happy? Do I have joy in my life? Uh, you know, uh, am I seeing the beauty that's around me? Do I see the beauty in myself? And we're sometimes so compartmentalized into thinking that success is, you know, money or uh, you know a beautiful spouse or beautiful children or uh you know a house here and a house in the uh, uh you know in the mountains or a cabin you know you know all these things that are that are these oh, what's the word financial which are uh materialistic things which are silly because you know we can't keep them we die and they' that house is now going to go on to somebody else but the beauty and the love and all that we, you know, if we believe in some kind of eternal souls or eternal life or even reincarnation, whatever it might be, that love and that beauty and that that spirit within us continues to that next phase, whatever that is. But all that monetary stuff, all the material stuff that just stays behind with a shell of a body. And so I think we psychedelics helps us reframe, you know, what success looks
0: like and what, in, in what life looks like. Yeah. So it brings up an interesting point, you know, and, I, and I'm curious to get your idea on this as someone who has done a lot of research in marketing, as someone who understands the business cycle. I'm just, first off, I think that that's a great question. You ask your students is what is success, but isn't so much of marketing trying to, you know, open up the behavior of someone and slip something in there and then shut it back down. Like as as you as someone who's good at marketing, like you have to understand language, you have to understand behavior. And that's probably why these books reach you or these stories that people are telling you reach you so much because you have a thorough background and meaning and understanding in marketing and stuff like that. So how do we how do we as a community of people that want to make the world better, how do we re-infiltrate marketing and get the message out to people in a positive way?
1: Yeah. I mean that's a good question and and I uh, you know I, I sometimes laugh at this this choice because in some ways marketing is the anti to or business itself is sort of you know it's not so you can't have a business in psychedelics because that's one of the challenges we're facing right now is you know we have these multiple methods of delivery of psychedelics mm-hmm. and then we have Big pharma or small pharma looking, peering over and saying, Oh, well, if we synthesize these, then we have a market also. And so, and there are purists within psychedelics and say, you know, the Kevin O'Leary's and all those money hungry people stay out of this because you're going to kill the purity of it. And I, I walk on that line so much because I'm a believer. And I'm a believer in Matt Zeman's title that psychedelics should be available for everyone, not necessarily for everyone, but right. we should have that access. And yes, psilocybin, magic mushrooms, pretty much grow all over the globe, so in that sense they are accessible. But for someone like me who is uh, grew up, I don't know how or why, but afraid, of, you know, foraging the mushroom, to eat the wrong mushroom, you die. I'm not going to go in my forest and try to find you with a book and try to find the right magic mushroom to, to do. Um, so I, you know, and of course most of these trials are using synthetic versions of the mushrooms so they can get the exact dosage, you know, perfectly. So I walk that line because I, I agree. I want psychedelics. I want that healing for everybody. I want people to not have to, um, take, an antidepressant that makes them feel like they're not their true selves, uh, for the rest of their lives, even though they weren't even designed to be that way. Antidepressants were designed to last to be at most two years, which that's how they were studied. And, you know, people are on them for a lot for their entire yeah. life now. Um, you know, I, I want to see that inner city or third world person who is, you know, struggling with, with to even find water or electricity or shelter but find healing as well you know uh, the one sort of legal psychedelic uh, ketamine you know those those prices are sometimes a thousand dollars a treatment or more and who can afford that and uh, and so you know Bring in these big, you know, or bringing comp- for-profit companies that can reduce the price. But we also know from the pharmaceutical industry they're not necessarily open to having lower prices. They're open to making money and shareholder value. And ah, uh, so it's so uh, you know, so being with my skill set, as you mentioned, it it's so frustrating to me because. I know business can do right. We look at a company like Dr. Bronner's mm-hmm. in California uh, that not only is uh, doing great things with their soap products, but they actually have opened ketamine into their uh, as a, a into their healthcare plan. So their employees who you know might be minimum wage people on the line can, can, can get this subsidized for them. so, so maybe that's a better model. You know, I'd rather you know rather than all these pharmaceutical companies jumping in and and uh, raking the cult, raking the prices and and, and uh, that sort of thing. You know, maybe it's more and more companies like a uh, Dr. Bronner's or companies in other spaces like Patagonia and others that just have a value for the world and a value for their employees. And you know, making a psychedelics as just another healthcare benefit would be amazing i'd rather see that model than the model of uh of, you know four you know four major companies controlling all the psych you know most of the psychedelic medicines and pushing the ceremony and, and and i one more little backspace i i do most of my psychedelics on my own but i know and understand the value of the ceremonies behind These psychedelics which the indigenous have done for centuries because there again that's community and so they're doing these psychedelics in the community because that's the healing model for them and so again i i i I don't know what the healing model is for us i i wish i knew and i wish i could have more influence to be you know to be that Kevin O'Leary but not Kevin O'Leary would be the one to say you know let's direct this model this way and see if we can do it in an ethical manner in a manner that yes sure shareholders make money that's why they invest in the company but that everyone has access to this medicine if they want that access and again I I think so many people would benefit um, especially after these last couple of years with with the pandemic just adding to the stress. Um, You know, there was a study just out a couple, two weeks ago about the mental health of our school-age children, and it's the worst it's ever been. Again, this this social isolation, the the social media, the main interaction, fear-based masks, You know, I look at the headlines every day and after psychedelics, I have to stop looking at the headlines as much. I want to be informed, but I don't want that fear based, which I think the news media is really feeding on all news media, not just, you know, different labels, fake or unfake or whatever we're talking about. But I think, you know, we, we fear to me, fear is sort of the opposite of love and both are extremely powerful. I mean, look at what fear has done. Uh, I still have a brother who's isolating at home right now. Uh, he's gotten vaccinated. He still wears his mask. He's he stopped his. He recently retired. He has. He did very well for himself. He could be traveling. He talks about travel all the time, and he's too afraid to even travel now. Hmm. And so he's sitting, complaining at home. Uh I, I make him text me every day just to make sure he's okay because I worry about all these people that are sitting just like my brother at home that, that the fear and he watches way too much news. And you know, and, and yes, we have to be aware of what's going on in our surroundings, but but love is so much more of a healthier outlook than fear. Yeah, you you need to be aware of what's going on. You can't just say, Oh yeah, I'm gonna you know, walk up to that person that's sneezing and hacking, and say, "Oh yes, give it to me." You know, <laughs> but but you could go up and give that person a hug rather than being like, "Oh my god," or or, or say, "Why aren't you?" You know, I I was approached uh, outside one time, you know, at the height of the of the pandemic, and I'm on a trail in the woods, and this guy comes up to me on the opposite way wearing a mask, and he's like. You know, wh- where's your mask? <laughs> uh, I'm like, uh, well, first of all, there's almost no one around. Yeah. And we're in nature. Right. And it's most definitely distancing. But I get it because that was a fear. You know, mm. that, that that he was living in fear. And that, that's not the place to be. That, that, you know, brings us to many bad decisions, whether it's self inflicting or inflicting on our people we interact with and you know i'm not saying oh we all need to be all woo woo and do like that coke commercial from what the 70s or whatever it was kumbaya or you yeah. know all, all hand in hand but but psychedelics does bring you that awareness that you are not alone and your decisions do have impact and that love is a much better place to be it's brighter more beautiful, more peaceful. I I literally cannot tell you the last time I did not wake up with joy in my heart. Now it's not saying I don't have moments during the day where I'm like, ah, why did that guy send me that email? Or or frustrations, but this sense of I know where I fit in the world and I'm okay with that. I can be a a tiny little communicator for the beauty of psychedelics, or for marketing, or business. I can teach my students. I can I can help educate others on on living a better life. But in the end, you know, I'm just one one little speck. But I'm a a speck for change, or a speck for positivity, rather than a speck for fear or anger or things like that.
0: Yeah, that's that, that. I think that that is one of the most important things people can do. And while psychedelics is a path for that, there may be some other outlets. So, the question to you is this How, first off, at what point did you get to the spot where you're okay being who you are? Were there some things mm. that got you there? Or was it a psychedelic experience? Was it a relationship? And like, what was it that got you to that spot? So take it from right there and I'll be right back. Okay. Okay.
1: I I think uh, the beginning for me of this uh, journey was I uh, spent about seven years disconnected from teaching. I I sort of got burnt out on teaching and I spent time in uh, nature almost every day for those for those years and i reconnected with god with a higher power of the universe i was working in this forest and i did have deer that were lying 10 feet away from me just watching me not didn't run away and uh, uh i just felt like they almost my friends you know so that was the beginning of that journey where i started to try to remove the, the toxicity that we have often growing up in suburbia or in cities uh, where we're isolated from nature you know one nice thing about cities like New York maybe other cities is there's a central park where you can get out in nature if you choose to um, but from that that beginning uh, I then met my partner and wife first just as friends, And I knew she was going to be a friend for me for life. And then eventually we started dating and and now we're married. And she, similar values as I do, love of nature, uh, Youngest child. So we have a lot of commonality. And so that brought more joy, but still stuck in the world, so to speak. And I think it was really, it was truly the psychedelics that put me over the top with that. Um, it was this first it was a sense of okay you need to clear out some of this crap that's in your life the social media other things and then it was again you know as we talked about earlier it's just so hard to describe but I had this one psilocybin journey where my intention was to get closer to God and that had been my intention in a previous journey, and it was a very different journey that and probably too long to discuss. But the second one, it first it was just this pure sense of peace. And it was also the sense that I wasn't breathing, and I was okay with that. At first, I did sort of have to put my hand on my chest to make sure I really was breathing, but it was a sense that, I was completely free and then I had this light just emanate from inside my head out and I actually had to open my eyes rather than keep them closed because I felt like I was almost getting blinded by the light. When I opened my eyes, the light diminished some. It was still there. So I was joking with with my wife after that journey. I said, I needed sunglasses inside my brain (laughs) because the light was so bright. And I think that was the final journey that pushed me over that, that edge of, of joy. But it took some period of healing before that. So it, for me, it was maybe almost like a decade long process. Now, if I had done the psychedelics at the beginning of that journey when I was in the forest, it might have happened a lot sooner. I wasn't back then, I wasn't really even thinking psychedelics was. You know, I was just thinking. I I need to get away from people. I need to be in nature, and um, and and clear my clear myself, clear my soul. I was dealing with some guilt feelings and and shame that I had from previous trauma that I had, and uh, was able to work a lot of that out through just being in nature. And then psychedelics was the final twenty percent, maybe, that really pushed me over the the top and cleared all that out
0: yeah you know i, I see a, a i see a ariadne thread that runs through this maze and it is this idea i, I like the, i like how you use capital t and little t for trauma okay. but I, I really think that this thread that binds us together is is whether you find it through psychedelics or you find it through meditation or maybe some other the medicine or or, yep. or something i think the thread is that understanding that the traumas in your life while maybe horrible were necessary. And I think psychedelics allows you to come to the conclusion of why it was necessary. Maybe it was a lesson that was learned. Maybe it was a change that had to be made, that was going to be made, whether you liked it or not. You know, it's, it's not a question of, it's no longer a question of it wasn't fair or it wasn't right. It's more of a question of, Oh, now I understand there was a meaning there It had to happen and it was going to happen in one way or another, whether the bandaid was ripped off slow or it was ripped off fast or there's still a hole or the hole has been filled. Like there's a lesson there and it's life's lesson. And if you can understand that the purpose of the tragedy, if you can understand the purpose of your tragedy, then I think you can come across as a a Randall Harrison and have this love for life, this zest for life, this light, this blinding light, like, you know, and I, and I, the most amazing people that spread so much love have usually gone through the most horrific tragedies and they've come out and they're beautiful because of it. You know, some people get consumed by it. And so I'm almost afraid to ask this question, Randall, but how did you become such a beautiful person?
1: <laughs> well, uh, it's a work in progress. Uh, some, <laughs> people probably, some people probably already call me beautiful. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Wow. I, 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 you know, I attribute it to to God. I attribute it to psychedelics, uh, greater consciousness. I attribute it to the people around me. Uh, you know, I, I, early in life, I had some some good mentors, uh, and then during business life, so to speak, not really more and more business measures, but not affecting me personally, really. And then in the last period, I would say, really, you know, just people in the psychedelic space, because again, once you have as you, as you see, George, as you, you know, once you've done this altered consciousness, again, not just psychedelics, once you've crossed that barrier, it's just a different perspective. It's just, you, I can't go back to being that person i was 10 years ago i can't i can't go back to like even for me now teaching has become difficult because i grading students that aren't performing well i you know i want to like you know and i always want to encourage them obviously to do better but now it's harder for me to, to give them a the grade they deserve because i want to be like yes but but you're a great person, so you really deserve a better grade, but I can't do, you know. So it's, it's kind of funny how it's like that was actually affected my, uh, my teaching. But I, I think the beauty just comes from your eyes being opened. Um, and, and it, I think it's hard to understand that except going back to that neuroplasticity
0: yeah.
1: where your eyes, now become a greater window of your soul of those connections um one of my other brothers is, is an eye doctor and you know i was talking to him once and he was doing an exam he said you know, the eyes are pretty amazing and i'm like yeah whatever and he said you know when we do that scope and we go into your you know, deep into your Uh, pupil we go beyond the eye and we can see And he actually in one of his examinations saw a tumor beyond the eye that was giving this person this uh, really kind of negative personality and and might have been it might have been fatal eventually if it hadn't been caught i don't know that but anyways you know uh, Referred him to a to an oncologist, and and he got the the tumor taken care of. And he was a different person when he came back, much more. And and of course, that could have just been the experience. He was thankful to my brother for you know, safe not saving him, but curing him of this uh, problem. But you know, he was saying, you know, the you the eyes are really from a scientific standpoint or, or medical standpoint, so imperative and so. Just thinking that now with a psychedelic experience and just talking about where this light behind my eyes, I think, and back to your question of the beauty, I think it's your eyes do get opened up, not in the not in the oh, you know, literal, but in the in the crazy scientific medical way that these new connections are being made, and you're actually seeing things differently. So that irritating neighbor or co-workers now, oh, you know, it's just funny, wacky, strange, whatever, and just kind of move on rather than being all day sitting there like, ah, how am I going to get back at this person for irritating me so much? You, you just kind of move on beyond it. It's not, like I said, it's not that things don't irritate you anymore because <laughs> they do at times, but it's just your outlook and your general way of feeling and thinking just changes. And, and I think that people and that's okay. That's one of the problems with integration, also. Back to that, because that's one of my big things I harp on is integration is like we had this one, one story where this guy first psychedelic experience, I think it was psilocybin, and the medicine told him, get off the alcohol, get off the cocaine, straighten your life out, you're loved this is what you need to do. And he came back from that journey. He's like, Oh my God, I need to, you know, yes, I need to change my life. But all the people in his life were the people that were there the day before that journey. So his, you know, his drug dealer was like, Hey, do you need a new, you know, do you need a new batch? And, and he felt actually more isolated than before his psychedelic experience, because before the psychedelic experience, at least he was, he knew he was an addict and he knew what he was and he didn't like it, but he, he and he knew the old people. But now afterwards he was changed and yet the people around him are all like, Hey, let's party tonight. And he's like, No, no, no. I, I don't you know they're like, what do you mean you don't do that anymore? Of course you do, you know, you're so and so, you do that all the time. And so it took him, I think, four different experiences to finally get off all the, the addictions, and part of that was also expanding his community. So he finally realized, hey, I need to find new people, and he did, and now, and so I think that's where the beauty comes from. You have to, you know, I'm not saying, you know, you discard all your friends, obviously not, Yeah. but you redefine, you redefine relationships for sure, and you say, you know, hey, that toxic brother Oh, he's still my brother i still love him i still want the best for him but hey i don't need to interact with him every day or i don't need to take his toxicity and internalize it i can say i hear you i empathize but that's not me and i love you brother goodbye Mm -hmm. uh and, and, and 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 then just find beauty you know it 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 in any other industry you know, I'm like I said, I'm about three years into into really diving deeply into psychedelics. Any other industry, you'd be like, oh, you're a newbie. You have no say in this. You know, you need 30 years' experience and, you know, a PhD in neuroplasticity to even talk about this stuff. And in this community, it's like, wow, Rand, that's beautiful. You're writing a book and you're sharing these stories. This is fantastic. This is going to make the world better. And it's yeah. like, Wow, this is this is it's so so you fi- you need to find that community. You need to find those people, and that's how that beauty expands, and that's how that joy expands in your life. You're still going to have moments of flashbacks or or moments of you know anger or whatever. You drop a glass of milk and it spills, and you're all upset. But you know it just you realize that so many of the stuff that holds us back, and back to what you said, even the traumas have lessons. know we were we were taking the wrong lessons from them a lot of the times you know oh i'm guilty because i let that i let him or her do that to me or, or i'm shameful because i should have known better that to let that person do that to me or whatever rather than saying wow that person was a predator and i didn't do anything wrong and i'm stronger Like you said i'm stronger now because of that because i survived that yeah and and i can still find beauty and this one guy who actually went i i couldn't do this but he did and i give him credit he went and he was abused as a child and he went to his abuser after psychedelics because the psychedelic the medicine told him go go find him and he did And he had this beautiful, if you can call it that, but beautiful conversation with this guy who, big surprise, was abused as a child and was just passing that abuse along as this intergenerational trauma often occurs. And he was able to forgive him and move on and see, you know, yeah, we're all damaged. And sometimes people act out that damage in in a horrible way. but he can be forgiven and he can and this guy could also then forgive himself for that shame and guilt that he felt. So, okay, not to get too woo woo and, you know, too, oh, you know, psychedelics can get that way. And I guess that's, for me, the business background helped ground me a little more and psychedelics themselves ground me. But, um, uh, I, 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 I couldn't do that. I, I know. I, i would want to punch out the guy <laughs> i would want to drag him through the mud i'd want everyone in the world to know and but now you know after psychedelics you know, you just see it differently you're like no he he was traumatized you know he 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 was just Acting out on his own trauma, you know, again, totally wrong way, inappropriate way. And, and um, that's, the, you know, that gives a, can lead to a whole lot of discussion about how we deal with punishment, which I'm not, I don't want to get into. But <laughs> um, anyway, it, it's just that's the beauty of psychedelics where you can actually go to your abuser and say, Hey, I forgive you. Wow. I mean, that, that, that blows my mind so that's so that, anyway that is the beauty of psychedelics for sure
0: yeah it's i'm willing to bet that that person probably had all those feelings that you were talking about about wanting to hurt that person drag them through the mud to make them feel pain but at some point in time you know it i forgot exactly how the metaphor goes but it's like hate is like swallowing a poison pill and hoping the effect is on the other person right yep and yep so like in some ways yeah, for, he's forgiving himself by forgiving that person. Exactly. Forgiveness, yeah, uh, the greatest line that I ever heard and it might even come
1: from uh, my partner was forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for yourself because we hold that anger at that person but they never experience it because we don't typically yeah. tell them. We don't call them up and say, you blah, 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 blah. We hold that in. <laughs> And that stress is hurting us. Yeah. So you're right. That same line, that same thing you said, when we forgive, it's not about the other person as much as it is about letting it go for us and letting stop us hurting ourselves, beating ourselves up for that experience. So yeah, forgiveness is, is, a, is a thing we do more for ourselves and for the other people.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating to think about the way in which we, Live with these emotions that are so huge that they are overwhelming and they're so powerful, and we're never taught at an early age, like, okay, this emotion is a signal for this. You know, so many of us, I, and I, you know what? Like, I, I hope, and I, and I see this happening in a way. I think psychedelics has the ability to change the idea of education. You, you hinted at this earlier, but it seems to me that educ, like, what what is known to the universe mm. is not something mm. that's taught. It's something that's revealed. And I yeah. found myself in the midst of psychedelic ecstasy or psychedelic trips, learning things, not because it was someone was showing it to me because it was revealed to yeah. me. the same way, yeah. like the scales drop from your eyes and you're able to see, Oh, I understand why this person's in pain. Like, it's not that I'm learning that it's like, I get it. It's, it's yeah. been shown to me and now I can, you know, and all these things that you said connect where you do see more. I've you, Literally, your pupils are like this big sometimes. Yeah. You know? like more light is getting in there. You're seeing more, whether it's through, you know, feeling or touch or seeing. But now I find myself after having a lot of psychedelic experiences, I can see myself in other people. I can recognize mm-hmm. that thing in other people. And What I've learned is that if, if that thing you see in other the other is only because you recognize it in yourself and that's good and bad. Like if you see great things in people, it's because you recognize it. If you yep. see bad things in people, it's because you recognize like that, that's in you. Yep. How many, you know, how many times I've thought to myself, Oh, I know why this, you know why they're doing this. This person's doing this because they're trying to get over on me. They're going to, you know what they're going to do? They're going to say this and they're going to do that. And then I thought to myself, like, that's what I would do. Oh my God, I'm a horrible person. You know <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think psychedelics, that's what for me I, it has been revealed to me is these things I think I see in the other are only things I recognize in myself. Have you had a similar experience?
1: I, I love that. Yes. Revealing. We I, I should use that word more often because I think that's, that's perfect. You'll learn it. It's shown you. That, I mean, that is that's, that is classic. And it's shown to you in, again, a way you can't necessarily describe, but um, yeah, I, 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 I've, I've done that. I've had that experience also where I've watched, been watching a, a show or whatever and it's like, oh, yeah, that person's going to do that. and Oh, yeah, they do. And then you're like, oh, whoops. Maybe I revealed too much about myself there. Right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I would love to see psychedelics do a, a, a paradigm shift in more than just psychedelics. But in learning and, and governing maybe in so many different ways, uh, how you know how we treat people, how we govern people, how we relate to people um, can all be shifted with this revelation. And, and so uh, I'm, you know, my joke that, that I do with some people in psychedelics is oh, uh, you know I, I want to sneak psychedelics into, the water for Congress or something like that. (laughs) And so all of a sudden we can see them all hugging each other rather than, you know, all their separate sides. But the problem with that is of course, well, first of all, you can never do that, but um, the shadow side, because I think that's, I, I would love to see more research in that one area because if we could find a way like this guy, Jason, that I was talking about, the young guy that saw his shadow self and said, whoa, 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 I, I I, don't wanna be like that. I don't wanna be this person that's condescending to my girlfriend or whatever, versus the healer who decided that, you know, he was the greatest healer ever. So I I would love to do a study on that shadow side because I, I think it, psychedelics would be helpful if every member of Congress took it, but took it in a way that, didn't expand their ego, but reveal to them this is there's a better way to govern, or a better way to live, or a better way to love. So, uh, so yeah, maybe I, I'm you know I'm I'm hopeful. You know I I, I do think psychedelics is definitely going to do a, a, a paradigm shift with climate change because I think so much of psychedelics is tied to nature tied to the beauty within nature and then the realization of, oh, whoa, so many species are, are becoming extinct every year and we're losing so much forest every year due to growing palm oil or, or, or just ur- urbanization, you know, all these stupid things we're doing for for whatever reason, for our vision of what society or life should be like. and so I think hopefully at least with climate or with the earth we'll we'll see if psychedelics and that are definitely in, in a parallel step I think in terms of paradigm shift but the rest I'm hopeful but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I am too, and I I think that maybe deep down you do know, and I think that you're doing it right now. I think you're making <laughs> it a little, bit, a little bit better. I um as as I I'm having an absolute. Blast, man! And I could talk to you probably for another hour. I feel like we're just kind of getting warmed up. Yeah. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go to work in a little bit. And I, I just before we go anywhere, I, I didn't even get to everything I wanted to talk to you about. You know, I wanted to talk about the Heroic Hearts Project. And I want to talk to mm-hmm. you about EmpoweringSites.com. And but before we leave, why don't maybe you could share with us like what, what do you have coming up? You got the book coming up, maybe? What, what is this Empowering Sites that I see that you and and your wife have put together? What is that all about?
1: Uh, I guess I didn't even realize this till more recently, which is kind of funny, but, uh, I was doing this exercise for something where it said, you know, boil down your life to one word. Wow. Okay. And it dawned on me, and this is something again, As growing up, I never thought I would ever be, but I, the word that came strongly to me was educator and so and i look back at my life i'm like yeah all my life i've been trying to educate people in in both my official realm of business marketing but also in the realm of you know wellness and health and all because all these things are are connected you can't have a a happy joyful life if you are in pain and you can't uh have a, a happy, you know, happy, joyful life if if something else is dragging you down. And so, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, or more than that now, about 15 years ago, I got involved in the wellness area because I had this experience where my I went for physical to my primary care doctor, it's just a regular routine physical, and the first question he asked me not how are you doing good to see you or whatever he said what prescriptions can i get you today wow and i said and i i I was on no prescriptions at the time so it wasn't like i was someone already on you know medication and i said wow the world has changed where my doctors instead of saying you know how are you feeling? Or are you, you know, why are you here today? Was what, what prescription can I get you? And that led me down this rabbit hole of wellness. And that's what the empowering sites came about where we wanted to empower people to live better lives. Educates the, the older word empowers, kind of the buzzier cute word for it, but basically the same thing. And so that spawned this thing, uh, you know, digging into the science of why is nature so powerful? Well, trees and plants give off phytoncides, which is this chemical. And they also have these uh, killers, killer, um, they're called, uh, I just lost the name of them, but they're, they're, they're called something killer cells. And, and we can, as we're walking in the forest we're absorbing these things so it's not just the calming element of nature there's actually a scientific physical thing happening at the same time as mentally and in your and in your heart because you're happy because you're in nature and you're seeing birds or whatever you're seeing flowers um and then so that was one component of so so the 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 nature was one component of it and then i looked around i saw uh you know, people are eating all this processed food, and I started looking at labels for the first time in my life. And sugar was a label on almost every product I bought. You know, salad dressing. What? Why is sugar in salad <laughs> dressing? In ketchup, in tomato sauce, and all this stuff. And I started saying. And then I, you know, I saw the study where the average American consumes you know, more than a hundred pounds of sugar a year. And then I saw the obesity crisis. And so that led down to the kind of a wellness aspect of empowering sites of, you know, here's here's how we should be eating. Here's the things we should be avoiding. And then um, the third component or a third leg of that is exercise. And, you know, sometimes we get too caught up, oh, you know, Every January gym memberships, you know, go crazy because everyone's like, oh, my resolution to do it. And then by the end of January, memberships are already declining because people have given up on their resolution. And so it's like, well, don't make it a resolution, make it a life change, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, and exercise doesn't have to be in a gym. It can be taking a walk in your neighborhood, taking the stairs rather than the elevator in your business, uh, you know, going... If you work in New York, like I did for a couple of years, go in Central Park during your lunch break and take, you know, walk in nature. You know, walking is actually probably the best exercise people can do, but they get so caught up like, oh, no, I need to be in a gym and I need to have weights. And yeah, and weights are important, too. But, you know, all these machines, no, you don't need that. Um, So those were all the things that kind of so. So I was getting into this whole wellness space with that. And then psychedelics, which is sort of, I guess, I mean, unplanned, but sort of this. Fourth leg that joined that wellness thing because that's the component that adds the mental wellness. So you have the physical wellness and and the spiritual wellness uh, from the psychedelics. But yeah, I mean, uh, Jordan, I love it too. Uh, You are a great host. Uh, I love I love your smile. I love your how you react. It helps me as a guest if you understand. I, I was talking, I was on a Zoom with this guy, and the whole time I was talking, he was like this. (laughs) <laughs> and i was i was getting freaked out i was like you know i was i was like trying to edit myself as i'm talking because every time i looked at him he's like i was like but i was talking about you know good happy stuff and yeah I mean, anyways i love that um you know down the road i don't know if you ever have repeat guests but once the book is out uh would love to talk about that definitely would love to talk about heroic hearts
0: beautiful yeah
1: profit that's just saving veterans lives and a uh, wonderful organization.
0: I have reoccurring guests all the time and I hope you'll be one of them. I hope you'll be one of them. Like I said, I I think we just scratched the surface and more than that, like I see this evolution of what I'm doing the same way that, you know, you get a download or the same way you begin to interact in something new and you learn about it. It's kind of like a dance and then you can add in new moves. For me, the next move is having more and more people contribute and I've found that when we get like, it's really fun to have like a one-on-one conversation and I'm never going to stop doing that. Yeah. But I have also found that there's some, a little bit more chemistry and you know, we can add a little color here and a little sound over there if we have four or five of us. So yeah, I saw um, that one that you did. Yeah. I'm going to start having more and more of those. Yeah. And I, I hope that you'll be someone I can call on to come sure. on and, and talk with people. It's really fun. And so, sure, yeah, I feel yeah, like I love it. building love a community that. and amplifying sound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, one last thing I want to say, which I yeah, think is also what got? cool
1: about this evolution is so the only uh, so I'm, I'm totally off facebook i, I do instagram only because i i still post nature photos that's all i do nice. on instagram and all the people i follow just do nature photos so it's, it's very calming when i do that so linkedin's kind of my main uh, tool and i have been blown away in the last year you know linkedin to me prior to 2022 was this sort of Corporate, you know, the nice striped tie. Uh, we just say business stuff on here and, and, you know, try to increase our sales or whatever we're doing, whatever the personal goals are. But in this last year, I have been blown away by how many people are sharing their psychedelic stories on LinkedIn. Yeah. It's like <laughs> so phenomenal. That is like, to me, that's the greatest evolution so far yet that you know, I, I can just imagine this the CEO, you know, logging into his or her LinkedIn and all of a sudden there's, oh, there's Joe from uh, whatever facility telling yep. his story of tripping out on, you know, magic <laughs> mushrooms. And it's like, wow, but to have that freedom and to have that need. I mean, that's the other thing with these stories. I think people have this need to – psychedelics is so opening – That you kind of want to go to the top of the mountain and scream it out to the people. Take psychedelics and heal, and (laughs) and, and so I see that with LinkedIn and this tiny little platform that was so so formal and so just you know talk about your new article or your new this or that. And now people are saying, "Hey, man, psychedelics changed me, and, and here's why, here's how." And not saying you should do it, but just sharing my story. And
0: so if you're interested, here's what you, you might experience. It's beautiful. Um, anyway, I agree leave it with that. I agree. It's it's fascinating because Lincoln has so many people that are leaders in communities and it, yeah. it it's, here's all these voices that are out there. And, and I don't want to say frantically or desperately, but they are, what's a better word? What word should I use, right? What's better than they're not desperate, they're not frantic, but they are invigorating, they are inoculating, they are going into the world and changing yeah. things purposefully yeah. and meaningfully. Yeah. And here's these people, and you can see the way they've been affected by psychedelics, and you can literally see what they're doing. Like I've, I've spoken to so many people, you included, who are making a conscious decision to change the world in a way that is beneficial. It's not just about money. It's not just about status. It's just not about this one thing. It's about creating and changing and, you know, making the world a better place on top of the fact of success. Like they want to change it in a positive way and be successful as an outcome. Like you said, so, so fascinating to me. So where can people find you? Do you got any other gigs coming up? Where can people find you? And what are you excited about?
1: (laughs) Well, the one funny thing, I think I have to write uh, an article about the book uh, process because it's changed a lot since the last time I wrote a book. And so I've found, wow, you know, a big learning curve on this process. But I am excited about it. The cover is almost done and the cover is beautiful. I cannot wait to share it. uh, Probably early December it'll be done. Um, Nice. It's not psychedelic in nature like uh, one of Rick Straussman's books, which I love, but the cover is so psychedelic. It screams, you know, like either either take me or stay away from me, Mm -hmm. or this is going to be a little more subtle. Uh, But I'm so excited about that. Um, And uh, people can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way Uh, they can go. My website is randalshansen.com. They can find me there. I uh, love to connect, I would love to, you know, I, as you said, I I'm, i don't know how big a force I am, because uh, I don't think I'm that big a force, but I am a force for good. I, 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 you know, and I think I was before psychedelics, but psychedelics have given me so many more tools to amplify that message, and the book being one of them. And that, so I am excited about the book. I, I, you know, back to your earlier comment, yeah, you know, books are, like my uh, my designer is like, well, you know, you really need to focus on the Kindle edition. And I'm like, uh. I said, you know, I have like ten books downloaded in my Kindle, and and, and I don't read them. I, I, you know, give give me yeah, here's a book right here. Yeah, you know, give me a hard book that I can. I don't know why. I mean, I'll obviously on on plane travel. Having a right. Kindle or, or you know an ebook is a million times easier than than lugging around a, a hardback. But you know, uh, I, I still love that sense. Um, the book, my book, is only going to be in paperback and, and, and ebook because a hardback. Again, I think hardback, especially. I don't know how people afford them. I look at hardbacks, you know, forty bucks a pop, and it's like, I wouldn't pay forty bucks for my book. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> You know, uh, twenty bucks, yeah, I'd pay that. But forty bucks, no, I wouldn't. So, uh, and then of course the ebook you can can price even uh, much lower, much more economically. But so, uh, so those are things. So LinkedIn, my website, um, I I will have a a website for the book. It's not quite ready yet. But again, once the book cover is done, so launching December, we'll have a, a website for the book too.
0: I can't wait to read it. I um. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, I'm, now I'm excited to see the cover. So yeah. As soon as <laughs> know, I'll, yeah. I'll email you a yeah. copy of it. <laughs> yeah. I would love it. I would love it. And as soon as 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 soon as you're ready, I would be honored to be one of the first people to get to have you come on and explain it. So it'll be, be fun. Yeah. When, Ren, I'm really thankful for your time and I'm really thankful for everything you shared. And I'm looking forward to future conversations. I hope you have a phenomenal day. And um, we'll talk again soon, my friend.
1: Yeah, Jordan, hope so.
0: Thank you very much. You're the first one that, that asked me to do the podcast, so you get the, you get the primary credit right there. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang us up on here, but stay on yep. for one more minute because I still want to okay. talk to you for a sec. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the True Life Podcast. Go check out Ran. He's on LinkedIn. He's got his website out there. He's a, he is a force. and He's a big force for positive change in the world. And I hope you can see that by talking to me today. I know I did. That's what we got for today. Aloha.